morning. During communion, uh, Talisha was talking with Carly, who is four, and she said, is Jesus watching us? Or can he see us? Or something like that. And Talisha said, yes. And she said, he loves us. We his children. (laughs) So uh, I love those little moments in worship when uh, they definitely think about God. Our reading uh, today is going to come from John 4, um, just following Jesus' encounter with the woman at the well in Samaria. Um, So if you would, please join me in standing as we read God's Word. Just then, his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want, or why are you talking with her? Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. May God bless the reading of his word. Well, good morning again. Told the early service this, uh, that I can't help but stand up here and feel a little bit nervous every time. Not because of you, and not because of me, but because of Tommy King. Um, what a wonderful preacher we have and minister, and uh, who makes the most of every word that he says and the things that he does. Uh, I admire Tommy a lot. This morning with my time, um, Tommy and I worked this out because he was going to be gone, and it fits perfectly because we just got back from our spring break mission trip uh, with the, the Christian Campus Center students. And so I'm going to divide my time with uh, partly just highlighting what we did there and then the rest of the time just speaking uh, with all of us. And I want to really encourage you, if, if you're the type of person that tends to uh, tune out the things that you haven't been involved in or the things that don't directly affect you, I really hope that you will um, just bear with me and, and imagine the things that we've done because I'm going to apply some of those thing to us, things to us here today. Um, so if you would just indulge me in that and, and follow along, I would appreciate it. The work that we went to do was to basically repair this lodge, which is in the northwestern part of Ecuador uh, that some missionaries came across and purchased. Um, it's a four-hour canoe ride up the river, and that's the only way you can get to it, I guess, unless you parachute to it. But... Um, it needed some work done. And my understanding was basically we were going to do two things. We were going to redo some stairs and we were going to build a storage building. And that sounded like a piece of cake, um, but the pictures that are in here don't show the toughest parts because usually when the weather was bad or the hardest work, the cameras were put up. We were working or we were drenched in rain or whatever. So what you see is going to seem like, oh, they just went and worked on some stairs and built a building. But uh, it was a lot more intense than that, and this will definitely not do justice to what was done and the experiences had. Uh, we were able to combine with a campus ministry from Canyon, Texas, West Texas A&M University, and so there were probably about 27 of us, and nine of us from ASU, and we met them at the airport in Houston, and then we were with them the rest of the trip, and uh, it was a wonderful experience to share with them. But uh, we basically <clears throat> showed up to Quito. Uh, last, oh gosh, it was probably Friday, and then stayed the night really fast, and then took off the next morning, 
from Quito. This is downtown. Um, and then we stopped at the church there and the School of Preaching, which is the same work that Johnson Street used to support uh, through the Placencias. And it's still run by one of the original members, uh, Kent Markham and his wife, um, but it's definitely grown into a, a wonderful work. But we stopped there and we picked up our supplies, and each person that went checked in an extra bag full of supplies. And so by the time we got down to the boats, we had a lot of things, um, a lot of things to take in. And that's the only way to get things there. So we really wanted to maximize our space. But we picked up some more supplies there, and then we began our uh, our travel to the Northwest Park. And as we were driving, um, I was speaking with some of the students, and I said, you know, this is just like Texas, except for the really high mountains and the rain and the rivers and the green parts. But other than that, it's just like Texas, so we should feel right at home. Um, there was not much that was like Texas other than the heat, but it was still a humid heat. So, um, However, we were glad to see flat Midland Airport and glad to be home when, when that time came. But these are just some of the pictures of uh, the journey across the country. These are some rocks that were, that were formed that... Uh, uh, the lines and the markings are almost vertical from just being pushed up, but a lot of beautiful scenery. On the way to Barbone, we stopped at a work that's going on, and we were able to play with some of the children at this day camp, and they just reached out in this area and brought kids in from all over, and the campgrounds were amazing. It was so nice and beautiful. Um, we played soccer with them and, and just hung around with them for a few hours, and we're just able to, to interact with them and, and have a meal. This wasn't our main work, but uh, it was definitely a good... Um, ministry that's going on that we were able to see. Um, and we just made some connections in a really quick time, and they were, they were all ready to see us. This is next to the same property, and it's a children's home that's just started up, and they had maybe uh, a few people staying in it, and they're waiting on house parents from Quito to come and start to minister there. And so it's definitely connected with the day camp that you saw. So we, we toured it, got to see it, and then we made our way up to um, a school that's going on. And right behind it is a, a volcano that, that's got snow on the top, and so this is from the view. Uh, you can just see that, that volcano there. But we toured this school, and I forget the town that it's in, but basically they take um, Americans and will allow them to help teach, and that school has just become recognized by the Ecuadorian government, so it's a, a legitimate program now. And before it was even legitimate, you had officials trying to bribe, saying, hey, can you get my kids in there? Can you teach them? So even before it became official, it was really a, a valuable tool, and so uh, just a really nice place. That's their computer lab, if you can see the computers. Um, but a wonderful work there. And then we, we finished our trip to San Lorenzo, and we were able to see a lot of the other country as we made our way down. Um, I ran out of batteries because I was just taking so many pictures. Um, it was a wonderful, beautiful sight uh, the whole way. The next day, we packed everything up again, loaded the bus, and we went down to uh, the docks in Barbon, and we loaded nine canoes, and these were long canoes, longer than our pews, and uh, would fit about two people wide, and um, we ended up coming back in two canoes. So that tells you how much we actually took in. Um, and we, we went up to another dock where we loaded our trucks, and so we, we loaded everything from mattresses to sprayers to tools, um, the food we were going to eat, all kinds of things to um, 
prepare this lodge for future works. And I think in May they'll take a, a medical mission down there and start to work in those areas. But uh, we definitely, that um, the one you just saw, the stacks of mattresses, that was on a canoe. That was all packed on a canoe and, and floated the river. And as I said, it was about four hours up the river um, that we had to travel, and it was, it was really relaxing and nice and breezy, um, a good experience, uh, but it was long. And you may look at this and think, wow, that looks really comfortable, but at four hours in the sun on the river, we learned pretty quickly that uh, we had to respect what was going on there because we all burnt to a crisp. And um, I was not so fortunate because I was the last canoe to leave, and everybody else went forward um, and like maybe one or two canoes stayed and went to that second site where we loaded everything and then somehow we drove past all the other canoes and made it to the the destination first and got to unload it all because we were talking about well everybody else is going to unload and then we made it there before them so we weren't very we weren't very appreciative of that but uh jumped right out started unloading and that's when the altitude got us and all the natives were looking at us and we were dying of just we couldn't breathe the air we were not used to working that hard. The steps were, were so steep, and so we felt pretty embarrassed. But uh, we started the work right when we, right when we landed. Uh, but these are some of the pictures along the river. This is an old picture because when we showed up, there were trees in front of it that have already grown over it. Uh, the sign has fallen apart. The, little, uh, the grass on top or the leaves on top are not there anymore. And so it may look like this, this lodge was just all perfect and ready, but a lot has happened since some of these pictures were taken uh, because this wasn't my picture. But the first thing we saw were these steps, and these were so steep. And the ones behind them, right in the center of the picture, that are just very hard to see are the ones that we came to help um, fix up. And if you walked on those, there were, there were stones, but they were not level. And everything that we had to drag up that hill, we had to do, um, there were probably about three or four more levels beyond these steps of just really poor stairs that had just eroded away. And all the wood and lumber for the building, we had to just take up these steps. And so when we started, we actually targeted the worst steps possible, but it was after all that we had taken up. So we really appreciated um, what we went there to do. And there's another picture. Um, really, this is hard to tell. This looks nice, like it's not a big deal, but this is standing at the level of, of the steps, way below it. Um, and then it rained, and, and then it got really muddy, so it was, it was pretty crazy to work in. Um, here is a picture of one of the uh, cabins. This used to be an environmental study center that they lost funding, and they just sold it, and so a missionary bought it. And we were actually one of the first missionary groups to spend in, in one of those buildings. Um, but as these pictures look beautiful... All the green that you see is deceiving because when we see that who went, we see chiggers and mosquitoes and itchiness. And you all probably look at that and think, wow, I would love to go there on vacation. And I would encourage you to do that. Uh, <clears throat> but the first thing that we did after we got everything um, unloaded was we started to put together these beds uh, that we hauled in. And one of the members had measured these, measured these out and cut them. And so we we put them together, fitted the beds with all the sheets and uh, pillows that we brought in, and then we put the uh, mosquito netting on. The other leader from Canyon uh, roomed with me, and we spent about 45 minutes with this bamboo shower curtain trying to tie it up, and we got it too high, and so we finally lowered it and got it right, and then we came to find out that everybody else had taken showers, and all the, all the water was out, so... Um, it was a hard first day, and it just started from there, and it never ended until we left. But each morning, 
We had devotionals, looked over the river, and just kind of gathered our thoughts and prepared our minds for some tough work. This is the lumber, and this lumber was really huge. I mean, uh, that would take about, one of those planks would take about two people to carry up those steps, um, and it took a long time to get everything up there that we needed to. And we took a lot of breaks, picked them up and dropped them off several times because it was just so so difficult and they were so heavy. Um, but the wood was all there and it was all wet, um, very tough to to work with. These are pictures of the building and they started the storage building so that all the stuff could be locked up. And we made a lot of progress on this, but the rain really got in the way of both the steps and the building. Um, but we ended up getting three sides done and and so it should by now have the other side and the roof onto it. Um, but it was a big process. It was uh, fun, and I didn't even see the building until like the second or third day because um, I was working with the steps. And there's the crew. There's those who helped build it. This is a picture of the steps after we had done some of the worst ones, and you can tell the bottom three are still the old steps. And some of them had boards still there, and some of them the boards had just rotted away and were, were gone. But you can tell the rocks... Um, you know, if you stepped on them, it was not good. And so in the future, when they go to do missionary work, uh, that's important for them to have, and it, they're to be covered with gravel and, and look really nice. Um, but these steps, we cut the wood, we put it in, we cut the stakes exactly the length they told us to, to keep the wood in, and the natives watched us for the first day. And then the second day, they took some higher steps, and they started to do it a little bit differently with longer stakes. And so the whole time, we were sort of comparing, like, our steps really look better, um, but theirs don't look as good. And then it rained, and the stakes that we had been told to cut were too short, and so the wood started to come out. So we had to redo a lot of the steps that we had done, and I was really frustrated about that because we had done a whole day's work and you know dug out a lot of those rocks and put the rocks back. Uh, but really replaced a lot of the, the the stakes that were in there. But as we did, to the right of this picture, about an eighth of a mile to a quarter of a mile into the jungle, was this huge pile of rocks that somebody else owned. And we made a box, um, and I think we ended up getting either four or eight cubic meters of rock. And uh, we carry these we we carried these rocks in sacks the whole way, and we just did it assembly line style until we would put it in the box and measure it and then pick all the rocks out of the box and then put more in until we had eight full boxes. And then from there, we took that pile and then we just made an assembly line up the steps and we just started filling in these huge rocks. Um, we did get gravel to put on top, but it rained so much that our gravel pile was submerged underwater and most of it was lost. So we didn't get to put the top layer on um, and that'll still have to be done. So both the building and the steps were not completed um, as we had intended, but uh, we did get a lot done. And that's about halfway through. The ones on the right, the, the very bottom right, are, are, are steps that actually we finished with the gravel before we had to redo some of them. And then there's us before we left. Again, I can't really do justice to all this right now, but a lot of work was done, and the worst parts of the work when we were soaked and drenched and muddy, so muddy that we couldn't even use the tools that we had because our hands were so slippery, I don't have pictures of because we were either working or it was too bad weather for our cameras. And so it looks like, oh, we just went and played around and built some stairs in a building. But 
for days, we were wet or like burning up. Um, and we would put our wet clothes out and we would go back in the morning and they were still wet, like nothing had dried. It was really extreme. Um, and to accomplish all that we did with the rain and with everything um, was a really good accomplishment. Um, then we got in our two canoes and um, loaded up and then went the three hours back downstream because the river was flowing with us. And I got to sit on a little two-by-four just like uh, the one here on the bottom left. I got to sit on that all the way back. Um, and we were about ready to go. Caught a bus, went down the coastline to uh, Esmeraldas, and then we flew out uh, to Quito again. This is... Um, Jake Webster, and we were at a restaurant, and when we flew into Quito, I sat next to um, a millionaire who is in the gourmet cat food business and basically lost his restaurant because he was pouring all this money into this gourmet cat food business, and now he has an office in uh, Finland or Norway or something like that and does business with Canada and just did a deal in L.A. and is going to Japan. But anyway, his father is a renowned chef, and he told us, go to this restaurant, and I have a note written on the airplane napkin in Spanish that says, if my friends come here to Mare Nostrum, treat them like my friends. You know. And so we went, and there was a little peephole, and they rang a bell before we even went inside, and the hostess came out and took us in. So by the time we finally found that place and got in, we were just so so proud. So that's the significance of that picture. Um, and I know a cat food uh, producer, but <laughs> but the most productive thing were were the unexpected things. Kayla Frankie, one of our students in Rams for Christ, and Ty Warren uh, dedicated their lives to Christ and became children of God. Um, baptized in the river, the Caiaphas River. Um, I made a joke that the river was flowing really well, and this is after it had even lowered a little bit, but I told them their sins would be washed away, and hopefully they wouldn't be washed away. But uh, the river was flowing. Um, we did that uh, one, one morning, and for Kayla, one of the verses that she studied that meant a lot to her was, uh, oh, I believe it was John 3.17, when Jesus is baptized, uh, maybe, no, it's Matthew, and um, the Spirit comes down and there's a voice from heaven that said, this is my Son whom I'm well pleased. And the day that she was baptized was March 17th, 317. And so, really special time for her and just so excited for her as uh, she put on Christ in baptism. And oddly enough, she had been having these thoughts and so had Ty and nothing was really discussed until the day, uh, the day before when both of these opportunities surfaced. And Ty and I actually sat, sat up really late talking about this because I know he's, he's weighed this decision a lot. We sat up in the, in the place where we ate, and it's all open. They had floors made of bamboo that they would just split and unroll, and then that, was, that were the floors. And then they had just windows and open uh, you know, thatch roof. And as I was trying to have this serious conversation with him, bats kept coming in. And they sounded like a helicopter, you know, just right over our heads. And I was really about to call it quits and be like, sorry, man, it's not going to happen. <laughs> we got to go to bed. And I started to envision, um, okay, if they landed on me, what's going to happen? If they landed on Ty, would I save him or would I run? I don't know, but I just had these horrible fears all of a sudden. And I said, if we make a loud noise, will it scare him away? And he said, no, they're attracted to noises. 
And so we just sat there for a long time. But anyway, we made it to the next morning, uh, and Ty was baptized in such a happy time. The first time I showed Ty this picture, he said, makes my muscles look big. (laughs) And I kind of took it like, hey, there's two happy brothers in Christ just sharing a moment. But you can look at it one of two ways. Two brothers in Christ rejoicing or me and Ty really taking a hard look at his biceps. So um, I think that was a good day. Where are you, Ty? There he is. Um, I'm so happy for Ty. I'm so proud of him and Kayla and I know that God has has been planting some seeds for a long time. The point that I want to leave us with today, I know that none of you, most most all of you were here and you didn't get to participate in this. And it's hard for me to contain my excitement in a way that communicates to you who didn't share the same experience. But I don't want you to leave here thinking, well, we just were pushed and persuaded to go into foreign missions just because one person had a good experience. That's not really my point. However, one thing that I took away from this experience was how to bring it home. And I'm really big about any time I go anywhere else, taking that and bringing it home. And I do have a challenge for us in the Word of God, and I do think that this really speaks to us, but I want to just talk about us being in the way. And when we were working, there were a lot of times where I felt like I was in the way because the natives had a way of doing things that I had no clue about, and I was just simply in the way. But I don't want to talk about the idea of us being in the way of God's work, but actually being workers participating in His work in the way. Just like we had an assembly line of rocks going, we couldn't have done that had there not been people in that way and people participating in all the different ways that they did, and, and each sharing their own work. Um, and this could be applied to foreign missions, domestic, local, and even your daily life. And so I hope that this, these thoughts really communicate the need for us to be in the way of Christ and in uh, God's way. Jesus' words in, uh, in John, right after He spoke to the woman and the disciples asked about food, Jesus said, My food is to do the will of Him who sent me and to finish His work. And He goes on and He says, Do you not say, four months more and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They're ripe for the harvest. Even now the reaper draws his wages. Even now he harvests the crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one who sows, one sows and another reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Our trip was definitely one of those where we put in some work, and we'll never see the fruits of it. And other people will come up those steps and see that building and probably never appreciate all that happened in that rain and heat to make that possible. And in a lot of our lives, we can look back and we can identify, maybe and maybe we can't, all the ways that seeds were planted and how we were brought along into Christ. And it was all because people were in the way and they were participating in our lives. Um, There are two things that I basically want us to get out of this this morning. I hope that we, first of all, see the harvest, that we see the whole picture, that we don't just see one limited um, moment in time, but that we see the whole process that God is doing as He works through us. 
that's hard for us to see because even in Ecuador, we thought our goal is to complete these steps and have rocks and gravel in the steps, and that's the end of it. When it was only the beginning, and it was only a part of a much larger work. And here we have a lot of works that are going on and a lot of things that are being started in faith, and I hope that we can identify the whole big picture in the work of God. Just like Jesus um, who said, my, my food is to do the work of Him who sent me, to do God's will. I hope that I challenge our own perception of what that is. The second thing is, I hope that we join in that process. That we not only see it, but we join in. And I think it is work. Paul tells the Corinthians, basically, in regards to division, you have a view that is too narrow. You're getting distracted on Apollos and Paul and Peter and who's following who, but don't you know that all of us are in this together and it's a process? Um, It says... What, after all, is Apollos, and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarded according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. This idea of planting and watering and reaping a harvest, um, I hope we can see the big picture. Um, I hope that we can see all the people that have poured themselves into us to make us who we are. And I hope we can see the ways that we can water what's already been planted and plant what other people will water um, and just notice the work around us. I want to challenge, uh, challenge you right now to just take an inventory of yourself. How do you, how do you view yourselves as individuals, do you view yourselves as Christians who are like plants to be watered and vessels to just receive? Are you just objects that people pour things into and just people and recipients? Or are you somebody that's grown up as an infant plant, as a young, vulnerable being, and somebody who's grown up and become a planter? a waterer, something that bears fruit, something that works. Because I think our culture tells us that we are only recipients of what this world has to offer. But the Christian way, being in the way, tells us that it's more than just letting Paul and Apollos water new creations, but we turn it outwardly and we become farmers ourselves. We become builders ourselves um, when we see the work that's to be done. Finally, As I read, Jesus points out to the disciples, don't you know when the harvest is coming? Don't you have the capabilities to look and say, in four more months, there will be a harvest? He challenges them that even even as his disciples, they're worried about getting him to eat. And he's saying, you're not seeing the harvest. There's a harvest among us, I believe, and I think that uh, in any place that I think we need to see. So I hope we test the limits of our vision and that we're not just isolated to what happens in worship or what happens in foreign missions, but that we, we expand our vision of the harvest in every, every aspect of our lives and we see where we are responsible and where we can be productive. Um, 
Secondly, joining in the process. I've read about the division of labor, and on our assembly line of those rocks, some people, all their job was to, was to fill the bags. And others, the only thing that they did was pass it down to others. And then still others were the runners and carried the rocks in those bags a long way. And then finally there were some who were counting the rocks, put them in the, the box, and then dumping it out. We all have different ways that we can work. But we all participate in adding to the harvest, in reaping the harvest, and maybe in ways that we won't even see. Um, so I hope that we have a broader goal and, and that we can just contribute. Today, um, like I said, I'm so excited about what was done, but I'm also excited about what can be done here. And I feel like God does not want just us to take collections and send people, or He doesn't just want us to live our daily lives um, in isolation, but I truly believe that He wants us to glorify Him, just like the songs that we've been singing today in the theme of glory, and to bring Him glory in everything we do. And one of the things that I took away from this trip and hope that we can take away from today is the fact that we can broaden our vision and see the, the harvest that's out there and that we can join in and be in the way as participants. You know, there's a question that I had as we were flying home. Will these people who participated in this work, will they go home and be changed and be different? And I think... A lot of times I think that about church. Will the people, after hearing all the messages, will they go home and be different? Um, because I don't think that it's just isolated to in this building and at this time. Um, I pray that we are a church that sees the harvest and in, that are, are active. Um, and I think that we are, and I think this is a wonderful church. Um, and I thank you all for the support of all the ministries that we have and the fact that it's not just something that you support from a distance, but that you participate in. And we're called to be participants. So I thank you for that. As we stand in just a moment, you have an opportunity to pray with someone. And there will be staff and elders. I want to encourage you to take us up on that. Uh, there will also be staff uh, or elders in the parlor. But may we see the harvest and join in. Thank you.